Kevin Moore. And I'm Sean Williams. And welcome to Fashion Decipher. On today's episode, we're going to talk about Jamel Shabazz, mm-hmm. photographer, documentarian. You know, uh, he was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. In his early teens, he was inspired by other photographers before him, like Gordon Parks and James Vanderzee. He decided to take photos of his friends and beyond in the streets of New York City. He focused on documenting the life in his neighborhood and other communities of color throughout the city. Yes, he wanted to show and encapsulate the style, fashion of youth culture within those areas. Outsiders didn't find the beauty in urban areas filled with black and brown people, especially in New York. You mm-hmm. had plenty of neighborhoods. This is pre-gentrification. Right. So the city was, in large part, black, especially you go to parts of Brooklyn, the Bronx, Uptown, Lower East Side parts of Jamaica, Queens, even little sections in Staten Island. Yeah. You know, it was very, it was a mecca of melanin, mm-hmm. you know, but Mr. Shabazz Lens was able to focus on what they couldn't. He shined the light in on the beauty through the blight, you know, the crack era. Exactly. From like the late 80s to mid 90s, um, crime in the city was atrocious. Worse than Chicago, I think. Yeah, present day Chicago Definitely much worse. You know, I think only Los Angeles had more deaths um, than we did in New York City. Mm-hmm. Graffiti, although can be very pretty and beautiful at times, uh, was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, streets felt like they were being cleaned. I don't know what sanitation was doing back then. I don't know if they and, and I think because there were so many problems that smaller things were just taken for granted. Like, you know, James Q. Wilson, a sociologist from Chicago, had like a broken windows theory. Which is, you know, if you allow small crimes to take place, then it leads to bigger and bigger crimes. And I think definitely the end of the 70s to the early 80s, you know, sold the seeds of the crack era. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was considered ugly to a lot of people, but Mm -hmm. not to Mr. Shabazz. He saw the beauty in that. You know, his work challenges the viewer to change what stereotypes that they had about New York in the 80s. That's true. There's so many movies or TV shows, if you watch, that were filmed in that time. If you speak about New York, the first thing they say is that you're going to get mugged. You're going to get mm-hmm. robbed. Yeah. And that's just really was a consensus of and a nod to all the crime that was going on in New York City. But, you know, most called uh, Mr. Shabazz's style of photography street portraiture. Because in many of his photos, he asked the individual to pose. You know, either to smile or to stand in a certain position. Um, but there were some photographs that he has that fall into street photography category because he catches them within the moment. Yep. You know, there was an article in Vogue titled Photographer Jamel Sebash reflects on the memories that shaped his vision of New York street style. You know, Jamel Sebash spoke about the fashion he captured during those times, you know, Adidas and track suits Puma. and wearing like um, Kango hats and like you said, Puma. Even Nikes, yeah, Fila, the big gold chains, right? The 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 super size glasses, Cuban links, definitely. Cazelles. wearing Lees and Latigas, mm-hmm. Polo. Uh, and in an article, he breaks down the style of different neighborhoods in New York City, because New York City, although it's one city, there's five boroughs, and within each boroughs. Certain sections in a certain borough might dress differently, right? Because they shop in those areas. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There'll be certain central places people will go to, like maybe Pickett Avenue for Brooklyn people, or Belmont, or Fulton Street. So you went to the same stores, so therefore you bought the same products, right? But you might rock it a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Some areas might wear their sneakers 
uh, without shoelaces. Right. Some might wear without shoelaces. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Some might wear their boots where the jeans on the outside of the boot, where some might tuck in the jeans to their boots. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, he said that in the seventies and eighties that the majority of people wore similar clothes because they shopped on Delancey in Orchard Streets on the Lower East Side, which someone from Brooklyn, I went to Delancey Street and Orchard Street as well. So Not as I. much as picking and downtown, but I went to those areas, especially for coats. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I mean, especially on Sunday when they would shut down the street and let people shop and walk through like a pedestrian mall. Yeah. So there you could locate the latest fashion trends there. I know this personally because, as we said, I went there my parents in my childhood. Uh, yeah. I found items there that you couldn't find in the malls. You know, because the, the idea of going to the traditional shopping mall, for me, growing up in Brooklyn was King's Plaza, mm-hmm. and finding these clothes, you couldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, Macy's and stuff like that didn't sell this stuff then. It wasn't chic to sell this stuff at that time. No, totally. I mean, and my, my dad, you know, worked with a, a company that had contracts in all the malls within New York City, and as well as Jersey and Connecticut. So I would do... Uh, Kings Plaza, Green Acres, Roosevelt Field, Walt Whitman, mm-hmm. um, Bergen County Mall. So there was so many different short hills, so many different malls that I actually went to. And then those places had a lot of the similar things, maybe a little different, but nothing that you find on Delancey. And the only mall that I knew where you could actually go to religiously to find stuff was actually Albee Square Mall. Right. You know, downtown Brooklyn. Famous, infamous. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> by the Bismarcky song as well, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, and, and in Brooklyn, he goes on to say, you know, that there were tailor shops like the ones I think Moons in Bed Stuy. Then in Harlem, of course, there's Dapper Dan um, that made ready to wear custom luxury label prints. Um, he also said that there's something that you that's different when you get something that's tailor made. It sets you in a class by yourself. You were separate. It was separating the men from the boys. So when you wore something that was tailored, you knew you had money. People saw you and was like, "Okay, he has money. He's not just wearing the everyday street clothes that everybody else is wearing um, in the neighborhood. But he has something custom made. He has money, so he's definitely a man, or he's he's a hustler, or whatever it is." Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like you said, custom made is exactly that. It's custom fitted to your form, your body. So. You could get the same fabric as somebody else. Mm-hmm. You could either get the same kind of style of suit, but it's never going to fit you exactly how it fits someone else because it is custom made. And everybody knows that's not cheap. That at all. I mean, and you also can also pick the color trims. Mm-hmm. You can pick, you know, if whether or not you have a V-neck shirt or a button-down or the way your collar or your... Um, your sleeves fit. So it's never going to look the same, as you said, Kevin, as someone else who orders the same thing. Mm-hmm. So Mrs. Shabazz was at MoMA, right? Mm-hmm. He yeah. was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he had a really good uh, gallery talk with them. And, you know, he you know he went on to talk about his life and his work. Um, and he was there because of an exhibit called Is Fashion Modern? And, you know, in that gallery talk, gallery talk he talked about his work and its significance. And I had a chance to speak with him for a little bit. And here's what he had to say. The people of color seen through your lens were happy and joyous in backdrops that many sometimes would think they wouldn't be. You know, you showcased the light in some of the darkest times in black and Latino neighborhoods across New York City in the 80s. When you set out to take these photos, was that your intention? 
It really was. I, I think that when I, when I set out, I had a plan. I want to document my community, representing honor and dignity. I want to try to create images that show love and fun at the same time. So it was an intention. Do you still see that glimmer now in such a gentrified New York City? Believe it or not, I still find it. You know, mm-hmm. oh, I'm able to create it at the same time. Mm-hmm. It may, the potential might be there, but when I come around, I engage people, I bring that out in people. So I'm amazed, despite the crack epidemic and all the things that happen in gentrification, when I approach people and let them know that I see their beauty, I can get that smile and, and get that spirit of brotherly, brotherly and sisterly love out all the time. Although your work as a collective is meant to look at a person beyond the facade of what they're wearing, yet many view your work as a fashion time capsule of sorts. Do you think that your photos, did you think that your photos would be cataloging like the style of that period? I had no idea because, I mean, in, in, in that particular time, you think that those styles are going to last forever. Mm-hmm. So you would have never imagined that things would change to the point where it's nostalgia now and it's appreciated and it's celebrated now. So I had no idea the impact that it has. But it makes me feel good to know that I've contribute, contributed in freezing those, those, those priceless moments in time that mean so much to so many right now. No, totally. And there's a resurgence in vintage streetwear and so many brands this year. Um, Polo, Tommy Hilfiger, Nautica, all resurged their 90s streetwear gear. And many magazines and apparel lines look to your photos to reflect the style of the 80s. Is it surprising to know that the style in your image would be so current? Because it's still current now. It is surprising, to be honest with you. you know, it, but it, it's just like reminds me of, of, of remakes of old movies. That, you know, you're seeing remakes of movies that happened 20, 30 years ago. So I'm not really surprised now that people are, have... In, in a sense, it is surprising that no one has new ideas. They're going back to the old in order to, to, to create different styles and fashion, fashion statements. So I'm kind of amazed with, with the reassurgence of the Pumas, the Adidas, the Kangos, and all that. And it's a good thing for me because it, it allows me to reflect back on my time. So when I look at people wearing Adidas, I, 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 I can't help but to smile and think about growing up in the 70s and 80s. So it makes me feel good to know that those styles are coming back. And what, what was it about a person's style that made you gravitate to them to take a photo? I think really, to be honest with you, a righteous look. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a look that represented uh, culture, you know, I really look for that in a lot of my work. The may not, if you really dig deep, you'll see that. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I, I document the Rastafarian culture, uh, various cultures, a Caribbean culture, mm-hmm. but I, I, I like representation that mm-hmm. represents a particular uh, country or, or, or people. Uh, and then the images that represent pride. In a lot of my subjects, I look for earth colors. Right. And there's so, so much of my work that has not been shown that really reflects what I'm about. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's my, my Brooklyn and, and, and the cultural side. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the work that's published in a lot of my books deals with youth culture in particular. But I have a whole nother body of work that, that deals with the conscious community. It's very close to my heart. And in, in a time also when hip-hop was conscious. Mm-hmm. So you'll see the Kenta Cloth and and daishikis and things of that nature, and sisters with their hair wraps. Yes, that was very important to me. So that's something that I immediately gravitate towards because I wanted to get that because I felt it was important because it represented pride and dignity. And how do you feel about social media allowing the everyday person to create their own visual lookbook? It's all good. We all need that right now. We need all hands on deck right now. Right. So if it's going to make a person feel good and you have the ability to transmit uh, the language of photography around the globe to the local community, it's a beautiful thing. I'm happy. It was a dream of mine because back in the old days, I was one of the few people to walk around with a camera. So I appreciate the fact that people are documenting things in real time right now because I scale back. So through the images, I get a chance to see things. Right, totally. And I just personally want to say um, just thank you for showing you know, black culture mm. and like black beauty and blackness in such a positive light. Honestly, I'm such a fan of your work. Well, thank you so much. That means a lot to me. So that was an interesting interview you had with 
on Jamel Shabazz. Like, what stood out to you the most, you would say? I mean, just seeing him speak in person um, for the first time was very um, important to me because you get to see the man behind the camera. Because I know his photographs, but this week you, you're able to, I was able to see him and how he conducted a very sweet guy. Very, I mean, just very nice. Um, and, and that's what stood out the most because sometimes when you meet people, they're not that way, but he's just very, very, very nice guy. He stayed all the way to the end and spoke to every last person that was there. And he just seems genuine, you know? He did. He, he definitely seemed like he was, um, very genuine and sincere. I like when he, when you asked him about what was his intentions, mm-hmm. um, in regards to taking the, the pictures and he said, sure, I, like, I wanted to illustrate that, you know, there's beauty and everything. Right. Like, there's greatness and all this blight and all this crime that you see. Uh, there are people here. Mm-hmm. There's still human beings here who still get up every morning, who still go to work, who still want to look fly and dress a certain way. Uh, and the fact that they live in this crime doesn't take away from them being human. Absolutely. And it shows you the resilience of... Uh, you know, black and Latino neighborhoods, um, the people who weren't of the crime culture, but were, like you say, everyday working citizens. Um, it really shows you how resilient they are and how much they got up that every day and um, just survived, you know, during that time. And it's just important to note that, you know, his photographs, as I was mentioning to him about, you know, did he know at the time that he was he was taking photos that photos that would be like time capsules that people would use to document that style of that era. And, you know, sometimes I always wonder, like, if people will know when you're doing it, will it be important? And, you know, he says he 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 didn't know it would be that way, but he's glad that he did it. You know what I mean? And, and you just you never know. Like, I, I, you never know when you're doing something, how important that or or will it have an impact in future, you know, decades? That's true. Like he said, it was almost like he was living for the moment, like. He never envisioned those clothes that were going out of style. Right. Like he said, how he how did he know he was, he was documenting history? Mm-hmm. He just he probably just figured like you know let me just take pictures of everyday life, and almost you're happy that he did it because when you're in that space mentally that you feel what's happening now will never change. There is a part of you who say, why do I need to take a picture of it? It's going to mm-hmm. be a tomorrow. Right. Like, why should I film this? It's going to be a tomorrow. I can always look at this. And sometimes you got to look at every day and encapsulate it as, no, it's special. Mm-hmm. And thank thank goodness for people like um, Mr. Shabazz and other people who've taken pictures, who've documented, you know, especially now as a Brooklynite, you know, seeing the changes mm-hmm. in the city, like the gentrification of Brooklyn. You know, there are certain neighborhoods certain blocks that look nothing nothing like how they did 10 20 years ago even five years ago mm-hmm. with the building and the new residents moving in and the old residents moving out uh, i mean and gentrification isn't always bad mm-hmm. you know the city has gotten better crime wise and in certain areas are cleaner but there's a part of old new york that's lost and may never come back yeah, and, and I know I, I, I spoke about this a lot with you when we have hung out in LES because we spoke earlier about, um, you know, shopping on Orchard Street and Delancey Street in the Lower East Side. And now it's nothing like it was when I was growing up. You know, now there's like, it's like a mini Soho of sorts or maybe like the village in a way a little bit. Um, but it's more aligned with restaurants than it is with fashion uh down any of those streets they used to be like fashion and you would go to cohen's optical although cohen's is still there um but it just doesn't have what it used to and it, it made me sad you know because it just was there's a part of my 
childhood growing up that is just not there anymore. Yeah, sometimes you wish there's a way to um, have the best of both worlds. Right. So the retro look, the retro feel, but with the present day safety. Right. If there's a way, you know, and even in one of the questions you asked them, you, you almost feel like there's a need or yearning to go back. Because mm-hmm. as you mentioned to him in, in, the, in the interview, a lot of the labels nowadays are going back to their old styles. That's right. And bringing back um, some of the old logos and the old looks because there is a yearning for at least that aspect of the 80s and mm-hmm. 90s. Yeah, everything nostalgia is back. Um, we've seen brands like Ralph Lauren, like I spoke with him about um, Polo, bring back most of the gear that was of the 90s that the lowlifes wore. You know, and then still doing it now. I think they're even, even dropping some of the Snow Beach collection on January 25th of this year, 2018. So it's good to know that, you know, those photos help push um, brands to even take a look back themselves. I mean, even with that show that they have just canceled, The Get Down, which I actually love, you know, that that you seen all those old looks then mm-hmm. and i just i think it's important his work is so important i mean and it was cool that they gave him um a little shout out on that netflix series luke cage mm-hmm. yeah he had like a little character shout out he wasn't in it himself but right. you know the whole part of him walking down the street a young him walking down the street and taking mm-hmm. a photo and that photo was used mm-hmm. as part of pops if you watch luke cage you know what i'm talking about no, definitely but it was i thought that was so cool I mean, if you think about what he did, it's funny how things come full circle. Mm-hmm. You know, like we talked about the styles from back then are now coming back out now. Even what he did, what he, whether he realized or not, he was in some sense uh, a, a rudimentary version of Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like taking pictures of people, styling, um, posing, probably having certain backgrounds. Like yeah, I should true. imagine they were... Certain artifacts, bridges, or sidewalks, or subways. He was in subways a lot. Always in the background, and that's mm-hmm. what's going on now. So, in a sense, what's what what's happening is you took you're taking old school styling, and then old school ways of documenting with cameras with film, mm-hmm. and you're seeing it now with these old labels bringing back newer. I mean, these old labels bringing back their old styles today mm-hmm. on Instagram. Yeah. So. And you even talked about it with the social media. Is that allowing the everyday person to create their own visual lookbook? And mm-hmm. I think you go on almost anyone's Instagram page, you're seeing that. Yeah, no, you totally are. And, and you know, he even, he loves it. The one thing I will say about Jamel and Dapper Dan when I both heard, heard, heard them speak, that they are embracing technology. And they said it is so important for people to embrace it as well. But in what Jamel said, he was like, you know, we need all hands on deck. It's documenting what's going on here, whether you're in California or Florida or Chicago or New York. And those images are are then seen by people in England, in Paris, in Russia, Ukraine. You know, like, everyone's able to see things that are going on globally at literally, like, the same time. I mean, well, different time zones, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean? So you can see what's going on, like, in real time. You know, instead of waiting for something to be taken a photograph of and then putting it in a magazine and waiting a six-month period to get that magazine. It's more like a more, a quicker way to get things done, like that speed to market with clothes. No, you're right. I mean, the only thing, the only thing you need nowadays is just what's the hashtag. Exactly. <laughs> and you could find whatever it is that's out. So, I mean, I commend brothers like uh, Jamel Shabazz for a taking such an interest in uh, our culture mm-hmm. and making sure that it's preserved and documented, 
and also this MoMA and any other institution which recognizes the work that he's done absolutely and, and exposing it to a lot of people because there's plenty of people who probably never heard of Mr. Shabazz and I hope with this exhibit and with this episode that more people will become more aware of him yeah you know and it might inspire people yeah, no, totally. And, I, and I, I totally agree with you there. There were so many people there who had their cameras and spoke to him about techniques and camera sh shooting and, you know, lighting. And, and I think that's great as well. And he was there to help teach them that. Um, and, and I just think that the more we honor people like him who preserved our culture and our history, you know, it's just, it's needed, you know. And he has several books. So if you are a shopper on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, please check out Jamel Chavez's books. Like, they're total, they're great books. Beyond just making them coffee table books, actually look through them. They're really great. They are definitely gems. And um, I think this episode might be one of my favorite because as I listen to um, the interview you had with him and then I start to reflect on uh, my upbringing in, in Brooklyn, New York, I remember seeing people uh, wearing certain things. I myself wore certain things. So when you see these photographs, you become nostalgic. And to see that the fact that these styles have come back out, I think it makes me appreciate that I was actually alive and growing up in this era to see this stuff live. Right. In a sense. And I think this generation will have an opportunity to see it again. Mm -hmm. All yeah. over again because what's old is new. That is true. Mm -hmm. So for uh, Fashion Decipher, I am Kevin Moore. And I'm Sean Williams. Thank you for listening. Bye. We out. Hey guys. Hey guys. Make sure you visit our website, fashiondecipher.com, to get a visual on what we are talking to you about. Check out pics from events, of guest speakers, and exhibits. If you miss anything we post, you can visit our archives page. Also, while you're there, hit that subscribe button, leave your email, and if you like, a comment. Tell us what you think or what you would want to hear on an upcoming episode. Don't forget to follow and friend Fashion Decipher on social media. Check out what we're up to. Speak, Speak with, with you, you next, next week. week.